mean, yeah. Sometimes they don't know. Yeah. I like the beat. Well, yeah. That's really not a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I served in military intelligence for a while. And one of the things that we were drilled on is evaluate the source of the information. That's the first thing you have to do. I don't watch any news anymore because of that fact. You can't evaluate the commentator on either side of the fence. And uh, what you can rely on is what the good book tells us. I have a good friend of mine. I love when he gets into conversations about politics, the State of the Union, or whatnot. And one of the questions is always, oh, well, what news do you watch? And he goes, I don't, just like you said. He goes, well, where do you get your news? He goes, the source. Wow, what a novel concept. If you want to know what Congress said, maybe you should read the transcripts from Congress mm -hmm. rather than exactly. what this talking head on an idiot box says they said. Mm -hmm. Makes a whole lot of sense. Which reminds me, the good book also says we are to be wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. That was being wise as serpents. Thank you. Let me ask another question then. And I'm going to add, and in what ways, to this question. Should Christians withdraw from sinful society or reform it, and in what ways? Well, like Al said, Jesus didn't withdraw from society. He stepped right into it. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I would say the answer to the question is no and no. <laughs> um, we're... we're the call for Christians is not to reform society, it's to create disciples. Um, if society is to be reformed, that will be a byproduct of disciple making, not a direct action. Um, that's my take on that question. I mean, if you look at Matthew 28, 19, um, in fact, let's look at Matthew 28, 19. I hate when pastors say, oh, it says it here. Well, do you really know? Let's check the source. Matthew 28, 19. Yes, the Great Commission. I believe also we need to get into verse 20. So you're almost there. So when you're there, if you could please read that. 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Continue. Yes. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay. These are the apostles. These are the ones called, their vocation called, to preach the word. 
they're preaching to the world all that Christ has commanded. Does it say, <clears throat> coerce them into believing until they believe, and if not, continue torturing them until that happens? Amen. No. <laughs> no. Because the most that we have the power to do, as Al was saying, is spread the word. You heard a parable a few Sundays ago about the seeds that were thrown everywhere. Okay? All of those different ground coverings are the different types of people in society. The sower of the seeds, all of you, the seed is the word of God. The word of God gets planted in the ground, other people, through the work of the Holy Spirit who waters the ground. We are not called to water the ground. We're not called to somehow make that seed sprout forth. We are called to preach the word. Period. Stop. End of story. What does it also say when Jesus commanded the apostles when they went into a town and they did not receive you or my words? Kick the dust off your feet and get the hell out of there. Bingo. You cannot force the word of God down people's throats. Okay? It used to be that there would be public soapboxes that preachers would stand on and the whole community could hear him. We don't have that anymore. We only have the church pulpit. This is the public proclamation of the word. That doesn't mean, as the word that gets sent to you, that you can't send it into all of your vocations. Okay? But what if I'm a teacher? <laughs> I've been down that road. Okay? Yeah, I'm a government school employee. I'm also told by the word I'm supposed to adhere to the laws and the commands of the government. Because the government has been established by God. However, Simultaneously, your employer is telling you, you ain't allowed to do that. You have the obligation. In a situation like that, when the, the world and the word oppose each other, you got to follow the word. True. But again, the worldly kingdom and the spiritual kingdom, where, where are those lines? And for me personally, I have no problem talking to any student individually after class about the word, nor any of my colleagues. I was never going to do that in class, sort of. There are ways to lead a student into going, wait a minute, that sounds like, but I didn't preach it. I'll give you an example. I walked into class one day. Rob, today I'm going to have favor on you, but nobody else. All right, let's start class. Oh, you don't think there's going to be conversation? It's like, well, how do I get favor? There's nothing you can do. I choose who I have a favor on. That's it. <clears throat> Start class. Oh, wait. Well, could I have favor tomorrow? Maybe. Depends on how I feel tomorrow. Okay. Do you see what I just did there? I had grace on whom I decided to have grace on. I taught them a concept without ever preaching a word. Okay. Um, there was another time. Um, I did this almost every year. At the end of the year, in the infinite wisdom of our 
administration, we would have the final exams about a week and a half before the end of school. So what do you do with that last week and a half when they're done and they're checked out? I give them nine topics of physics to choose from to teach. I had eight incredibly heady, nasty sounding topics and I had the Big Bang. What do you think they're gonna pick? The Big Bang, I've heard of that. This is what I would do. I would teach them the Big Bang and on the last day of class, by the end of the class period, and I would time this perfectly so I would finish as soon as the bell rang. I went backwards using the law of cause and effect and said, okay, if this is the Big Bang going to where we are now, let's go backwards. This caused that, this caused that, this caused that, this caused that. We're now down to this like mountain of energy. What started it? Ring. And they all went, do you know how many conversations I had after school that day? Many. There are ways to work within a restrictive governmental policy. There are ways to work in your jobs to be able to still do your vocation, Mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Everybody's experience, everybody's um, intestinal fortitude is going to be different. We're really called to give the word out. One of the things people forget about that is you kind of need to know what the word is to be able to tell somebody what the word is. And how do you know what the word is? Read. Be in it. Read it. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. I don't want to have discussion on this. How much do you read? You all know what that answer is. I'm not trying to put a guilt thing in. And I'll put it this way. After a year's worth of seminary where I was pouring into it, it wasn't enough. Okay. It's okay. Just do some more than you were the day before. Um, and I like this question. For those of you who have a more modern uh, book, it's page 124. What does it mean to be, quote, in but not of the world? And after this question, we're going to get into chapter six, which is on the back page. Cool. Oh, wait. No, there's another question. No, we're going to have one more question after this. Jesus used to say, he was in, like you guys have said, he's in, he submerged himself in the world, but he's not of the world because his home is not here. I don't remember what page. There was some stuff that he pointed to. I don't know. I had this conversation with many people in my home church because we removed the American flag from the chancel. Whoa. Um, Because um, the church isn't on American soil. It's an embassy. You wouldn't wouldn't fly uh, uh, an American flag inside the Russian embassy nor would you fly a Russian flag inside the American embassy. 
why would you fly an American flag in front of, inside of Christ's embassy? Um, I can't hear you. <clears throat> sorry. Um, I said, why would you fly an American flag inside of Christ's embassy? Um, which is what the, the local church is. It's, it's an embassy of, of Christ's kingdom in the world. Um, and so we had a, a, a lot of discussion about citizenship around that because uh, you know, obviously when we moved the flag off in the chancel, it created a lot of angst <laughs> in the congregation. Um, and it, it, it was interesting. Um, there was a lot of angst in the congregation about it, but as they came to an understanding of why the leadership of the church made that decision, it made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our citizenship here, whatever that citizenship is, is, is transitory and secondary to our citizenship in heaven. And um, our, therefore, our allegiance is to our king. But our king has given us some interesting instruction. Along the exact same lines, Pete and I had a conversation not that long ago about why the Christian flag is higher than the American flag in a, in a church. Um, let's pause that for a second. I'll come to that. Okay. How many of our good Lutherans here, sorry, know what 1838 is significant for. I must not be that good a Lutheran now. <laughs> is that when the last uh, slave was allowed to be brought into America? No. 1838 is the year that Walther came to America and we established the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, which we're all a dominant denomination of. Why do you think I have the, word, the, the, the other date of 1950s here? This is the time that we stopped doing the services in German and made them in English. This is also the time we started putting American flags in our churches because they did not want these German-speaking heathens to be considered Nazis. So, I saw your reaction when he said his church removed the American flag out of the council. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to ask all of you right here, right now, why do we have an American flag in our sanctuary? I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't want discussion on it. Think about it. Think about it. Um, there are many churches who are starting to realize that, hey, our citizenship isn't of this world. Our citizenship is heaven. Why then are we giving praise and honor to a different citizenship while we're worshiping in the church where we know where our citizenship is? Now, I got no problem with an American flag on a pole outside of every church in America. This is your country. Our citizenship, however, is not the United States. We are, to be, we are to be in this world. 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, removing the flag and saying, hey, I'm not even part of this world. Yeah. Um, trust me, there, there will probably be conversation in your <laughs> lifetimes about American flags in churches. Um, There's already conversations about patriotic music yep. different times of the year. Yes. And it's like, well, not during the service, but if you wanted to have it as a prelude or something like that, because... However, yeah. every day in our church services, we hear ourselves in, in our responsorial prayer. We pray for our president. We pray for Congress. We pray for judges. We pray for our military. We pray for our law enforcement officers. Why? We're in this world. We know... God has established their rulers. Joe Biden is allowed to be president by God's, by God's will. I don't care what you feel about Joe Biden. Before Joe Biden, God allowed and made Donald Trump president. I don't care how you feel about that. That's not the point of this conversation. But I took the two most polarizing presidents I could think of and let you know that by God's will, that was established. Huh. Yeah, let that churn. Okay. And hasn't that, this is kind of funny now, hasn't that created a bazillion conversations? <laughs> Good or bad, but I mean, you know. But almost none of them go to the theological. True. Right. Right. Correct. Yes. Maybe it's headed, maybe we're getting there. Maybe we're slow to the... Thing here, so. Polarization of America. And, and I looked at this last question, and I think we've touched on it in almost every one of our answers, but it's one to just ask to have you churn in your head. What are ways that we can fuse these two kingdoms? What are ways that we can do what? What are ways that we can fuse these two kingdoms, the worldly kingdom and the spiritual Number kingdom? Number seven on the back. Oh, are we supposed to have two pages? It's, it's one page, but it's a front and back. Oh. So on oh. the back, there's a number seven. What are some ways <laughs> we can confu confuse the two kingdoms? And if you got the 2021 book, he talks about that in pages 129 through 130. Okay. Um, it on, in yours, Al, that would be near the end of chapter five. There's probably a heading confusing these two kingdoms. I think that's the heading. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Yeah. I only read it once. Sorry. Well, I think. <laughs> I mean, I think. Oh boy, I think the church has done a really good job of confusing the kingdoms. <laughs> <laughs> we we have um, repeatedly not kept the main thing the main thing. We, we, we take the bait. Um, we allowed, um, we fell into the trap of believing that abortion is a political issue. We fell into the trap of, of believing that, that human sexuality is a political issue. Uh, 
even marriage. We, we, we were, marriage is, you know, we've fallen into the trap where marriage is a political issue. Um, when we engaged the world on the world's terms, we're of the world, we're not in it. You know, um, when we when we engage the world in, in in you know on issues of racism and sexuality and and, and all of you know uh, poverty and, and and all of those things, we engage the world on their terms. We're not. We're not keeping the spiritual world we're not we're not keeping the spiritual world from uh, apart from the secular world and we're not bringing the spiritual world into the secular world we're playing politics we're playing in the spiritual world or in the in the secular world completely mm-hmm. um, and the church has done a great job of taking the bait for the last hundred years uh, certainly, um, I mean, it, it did it long before that. The, the you know, the the Crusades were political. The Spanish Inquisition was political. <laughs> Nobody asked for the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> uh, yeah, all of that. You know, we we started. You know. The Holy Roman Empire was political. We, you know, 400 years. It took 400 years for the church to go from spiritual to political. That's all it took. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many people do you think that go to this church are really Christian? That's not for me to decide. Pardon? That's not for me to decide. I'm not asking you to decide. I'm just asking you to think. I'm not sure I'm a Christian. I do believe in Jesus, and I want to follow him. But I know a lot of people that going to church is all they need to do. Uh, Then they turn that into a work. Mm-hmm. Thinking that they can merit their salvation by doing that, um, or even worse than that, and and mm-hmm. and I think that's the wonder. And I also think it's 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 what makes it so darn irritating is that that is the gospel that I I cannot contribute to my salvation because I w- I want to do something. You've done this great thing for me. Let me do something. It's already been done. But, but, but can I do this? Sure you can do this. But it doesn't earn your salvation. But, but can I, I love on, on, on my neighbors more? I would love you for, to do that. But that is not meriting your salvation. But can I, can I raise food for, for the needy? I would love for you to do that. That does not merit your salvation. But I just want to be a kinder and gentler me. 
I would love you to be a kinder and gentler you. That does not merit your salvation. Yikes. What does merit my salvation? Christ dying on that cross, shedding his life and his blood as a sacrifice for all of mankind's sin, and then defeating death by rising again. That's what earned your salvation. And all you have to do is have faith that he did that. <clears throat> That's it. That's the gospel. And it's wonderful, and it's glorious, and it's mysterious, and it's so darned irritating as a person who wants to do. I, th I had a friend of mine who's a, a Bible teacher in a different church, but she was saying that she feels like that's why the rise of Islam is is one of the reasons. There's probably many reasons, but um, that there's very set rules on mm -hmm. what you do and what you don't do, and that goes more with our human nature of wanting to... Um, and there was a term... Keep going. I'm listening. Well, there was a, there was another term that I feel is it monotheistic deism? No, uh, no, something. I was just reading about this yesterday, and I know that Pastor Adam had talked about this. The thing that a lot of churches fall into is that they they get. I don't know if it was in here or not, where you you know the way of salvation, and you've come to Christ and you have faith in Him, but then it quickly becomes all about the doing and the what is our church doing and what is our which those are good things but one can't take the place of the other I don't know I, I can't think of the word I'm trying to it was in the new do you guys get that Lutheran I think it's called Lutheran witness that comes out like once a month mm -hmm. it was in the new one that I just got and it was talking about the different fallacies uh, or the different ways of thinking that we fall into anyway um you touched right in on it though the worldly kingdom that we live in even though we are in this kingdom god's law tells us how to interact with humans mm -hmm. thou shalt not kill but that doesn't mean just murder that means you shall not have ill thoughts towards your brother. You should always think of him in the best possible ways and speak kindly to him. And those of you who have read your small catechism know exactly where I'm coming from with that. <laughs> Al, don't commit adultery. But in Matthew 5, right after the Beatitudes, what did he say? He said, if you've even looked with lust upon your heart at another, you've already committed it. This is how we're supposed to interact with, 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 with humans. We're supposed to use God's law. But Pete, I can't do that perfectly. You're right. Isn't it great that Christ has forgiven us before we've ever sinned? Before we've ever not fulfilled the law perfectly? He's already taken care of. We should buy his grace, by his splagnizomai, by his bursting forth of compassion and love for us, we should want to repent when we screw up. That doesn't mean we're always going to. I mean, I certainly haven't. 
I've had sins that it took me years, decades before I went, oh, wow. I really screwed that person over, didn't I? I didn't. Wow. You still got a bunch of them. We all do. We all do. You can't wake up in the morning and go 60 seconds without doing something perfectly in God's eyes. You might be fine and dandy from the secular point of view. And this is why this is so amazing. This is why what Christ did for us is mind-boggling. The Jews had a sacrificial system. You screwed up, bring a goat, bring a heifer, bring a lamb, we'll kill it, spill its blood, burn the thing, your sins are forgiven, and once a year, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, Hundreds of thousands of these animals would be killed. And there'd be two goats. One was called a scapegoat. One was killed on the temple. And the other one, which marked all of the sin of the Israelite nation, was let out of the city to be destroyed by the world. Huh. To be destroyed by the... Oh, Christ was also taken out of the city to be destroyed by the world. He is our scapegoat that took on all of the sin of the new Israelite nation. Okay? It is all on him. However, there's always a however, isn't there? There are people who go, well, Christ did it all. I, I can do whatever I want. He's taken care of me. No. Not quite. No. I think Paul had something to say about that. I believe Paul said something to the effect of, shall we sin all the more so grace may abound? And he went with an emphatic, absolutely not. And the reason being is, by no means. We're still in this world. We're still commanded to follow the law, not just with our brothers and sisters in church. That's easy. We still screw it up, but that's easier. But when we go out and we talk to people who intentionally, adamantly reject the word of God. We're to love them. Those people who are screaming that it's my right to kill babies in the mother's womb. We're to love them. Those people who pick that candidate you hate. We're to love them. We're in this world and he's given us the blueprint on how to live in it. And we are of this world and he has the blueprint of how it's already been taken care of we put all of our hope and faith in the one who did it all for us this we're going to screw up unmercifully and how the church has survived knowing that we do this with one another is beyond me must be the grace of this guy over here does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right, I think we're done with Chapter 5. I knew that one was going to take a lot longer. Just real quick, one yes, thing sure. that has really helped me a lot since joining the Lutheran Church is the focus on law and gospel. Over and over, everything's either law or, and gospel. And mm-hmm. in the extra reading that I'm doing with, um, is it Walther you talk about? I got some of his books. And I'm like, okay, this really helps me 
to understand how they both work. So when, you know, sometimes we need to hear the law, but thank goodness if, if I'm a repentant sinner, you know, thank goodness the gospel can comfort me that well, and, it's taken You want to know what's beautiful, Jenny? There are sins that you've committed that you either have no idea that you committed them. Right. There are sins that you've committed that you may not have realized you've committed. There are sins that you've committed that you might be repentant of all the things that you've done wrong, but you do not have the ability to remember them all. Mm-hmm. And what does it say the Holy Spirit does when you pray? He grumbles for you when you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Because you've already been forgiven. And that's one of the wonderful things about the Lutheran liturgy that I love. We begin each service in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Do you know why we begin that way? It's reminding us of our baptism and our faith. The baptism which drowned the old sinful man and made a new, the regenerate man who lives, whose citizenship is in heaven. We're supposed to be reminded of that every single Sunday. And in case you don't get it from in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what do we do right after that? Confession and absolution. And then what did we do today right after confession and absolution? Said the peace. peace. Yeah, yes, you're absolutely right. The you, peace you made it that far. <laughs> the peace that you now have. You may not feel it. I don't always feel it every day I'm in church. I've actually delivered a sermon and I didn't feel it. You you don't understand how awful that feels. I'm not feeling it today, but I gotta give them something. All right. You may not feel it, but you have peace because your sins no longer are held against you. Okay? So we go through confession and absolution, and after confession and absolution, what do we do today? The peace that you now have. Whether you feel it or not, you have that peace. Well, how do I have that peace? Um, you don't have a debt hanging over your head. Show that to one another. And what do we say? God's peace be with you. Not, not I, I wish you peace. Not, hope you're doing good. Not, hey, how are you? We do that. But we're sharing with one another. You all have peace. Because God's granted it to you. We don't always feel it. But thank goodness, why do I have to say that? Thank God that it's not about our feelings. It's not about our emotions. What do we get in church? We get Christ. We receive Christ in his word. When we recite the gospel message, when we recite the epistles, when we recite the Old Testament, when we do the responsorial psalm, we receive God's word. When we receive God's word, who is God's word? Christ himself. We receive Christ. When we take communion, that wine, that bread, 
according to our confessions and according to what Christ said to the apostles, actually is the body and blood of our Savior, and we receive him. These things are given to us in this world to remind us of our citizenship in this world. And throw the other third in. And when we uh, use you know, God's will to do what he wants us to do, that's the paraclete within us telling us what to do. And for those of you who don't know paraclete, Rob is a scholar. Paraclete is, is, is a Greek word which means our helper, and it's the word used for the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that moves us. Absolutely. Isn't that great that when Christ died on the cross and he rose again, before he ascended into heaven, he gave his Holy Spirit to us. He dwells in us. He grumbles for us when we don't know what to pray. But I don't pray enough. Yeah, you're right. I don't care if you're on your knees 24 hours a day. You still didn't pray enough. But the Holy Spirit who is the third person of God, is praying for us in our stead when we don't know what to pray for. Do you get it, folks? doesn't matter whether you feel that you have faith or not. If you know that Christ has died for your sin and you've been baptized, you are in his spiritual kingdom. Another way to tell, if you have these, you know, worldly ideas and carry them out, mm -hmm. you're worldly. But if you have the worldly ideas and you can just ignore them and not do them, that's spiritual. And that's, you're, it happens because of the Holy Spirit, you know, not letting you. It's also, in addition to you having the wrong ideas, it's letting you know, hey, you know darn well that ain't right. And, and, you, and you do what God wanted you to do. That's, that's the spiritual end of it. And it's, it'll Absolutely. always happen. And the cool thing is, I think the greatest segue that we had here is whenever I started getting into the liturgy, because that's what this sixth chapter was all about. How many of you here, I know Clayton and Janine didn't start off as Lutherans. You were Baptist, correct, sir? Baptist, okay. How many of you here were not born and raised Lutherans? <laughs> well, it depends what you mean. I wasn't born Lutheran. That was, you know, a couple days later. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I went through a wild journey of different denominations. Um, I started off Roman Catholic. My dad only had one brother, ordained in Rome. My dad still believes the church should be said in Latin. That way, no matter where he is in the world, he can understand the Mass. That's what I grew up in. I broke from that because priests couldn't answer questions I had. <laughs> And at best, I was probably agnostic for a time. At worst, I was atheistic. I was really refusing God's word. Um, I felt I had been lied and cheated to. For a very brief time, I started the evangelical route. Uh, met this lovely lady who was worshiping in the Presbyterian church. And became heavily scholarized in the, the writings of Jean Covent. You might know him as John Calvin. <laughs> um, he was French, and I don't know why we don't call him Jean Covent here. Um, For the same reason we don't call him Jesus Yeshua. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> um, or, or Luther. Luther. Um, <laughs> but um, I loved it. 
my academic, my scientific mind loved Presbyterianism. Oh my goodness, I get this. I can understand every, everything is rational, everything is logical. Awesome. This is where I'm at. Then I started beginning to ask questions. I'm God's created being, am I not? Yeah. If I made a clay pot, how well do you think that clay pot could understand me? I didn't want to worship a God I could completely and logically analyze and understand. Something didn't fit right. I didn't really, I wasn't able to word it or, 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 or put it in that type of words when I was in it. Something was off. It wasn't until I started coming to a Lutheran church and seeing its confessions and seeing its liturgy that I saw all of the good stuff that the Roman Catholic Church had. It's liturgy. Oh my goodness, it's liturgy is beautiful. We have it. Why? Because it's apostolic. It's what the apostles were doing in the first century. All of our liturgy was pretty much created within the first couple hundred years of Christianity. Okay? It's beautiful. Everything is scripturally based. We get we're under God's law. And we also get it's okay. We don't only focus on this because we know we have a responsibility to this. Which means, yeah, I got to be repentant. Am I always repentant? No. Why? Because you know what? I'm not fully here yet. I'm in both. I'm going to screw up both. But it's, what's really cool is, Christ can't screw up, and he did it for us. Thank you. All right. The reason it happened when it did, you know, the beginning of, uh, you know, the, the Protestantism, is prior to that point, there was not movable type, and the Bible could not be produced in quantity. That's why Luther was able to, you know, spread the way it did. That was simultaneous with the printed word. Well, we had printed word prior to that, but movable type, where you can print buku, uh, mm -hmm. cheap. Without Gutenberg, Luther would have suffered the same fate as Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. And John Hoos. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But Luther, <laughs> Luther isn't like most men. <laughs> when um, the Expurge Domine happened, in other words, his excommunication, um, he had to hide or else he was going to get arrested and killed. And the elector um, uh, at that time hid him in a castle, Castle Wittenberg. He was only there a couple months, but in 10 weeks, you know, he translated the New Testament from Greek to German. <laughs> 10 weeks. He was a little slow. A little <laughs> slow, yeah. Um, the writings he has done. Um, I've got a collection of 55 tomes of writings from Martin Luther, and that does not include his confessions. That does not include his, his translations of the Bible. That doesn't include the other 25 volumes that are part of this collection. That doesn't include all of the writings he gave to his friends. 
I don't know how this guy had a social life. I don't know how he found a woman to marry. Okay. Well, consider everything, you know. Yeah, right. But if it weren't for men like him and Melanchthon and Chemnitz and, and, and some of the other great scholars and theologians of our faith, we wouldn't have these writings. These guys just mass-produced. They, they buried themselves in the Word. Um, when you read some of his stuff, and, and especially his commentaries on Scripture, you wonder how a guy understood Scripture so well. Um, and all of it. Um, not just, oh, I'm really good at Luke. There are some scholars, they spend their entire <laughs> lifetime just studying Luke or just studying Ephesians. Luther studied Genesis through Revelation ad nauseum over and over and over and over again. Um, that doesn't mean we herald Luther. Luther was a man. Amen. Luther was sinful. Luther finally got this. Okay, He realized that he didn't need to beat himself up and deny him things of this world because he was sinful. This man, before he got it, used to spend hours in confession with another priest. Hours! Because as he's in confession, he was about to leave. He goes, and here's another thing. <laughs> Went up the steps of the Vatican on his knees, whipping himself on the back the whole time up. Yeah. Okay. This is a man who thought that it was based upon his merits and he had to do it perfectly to get into heaven. Mm -hmm. And what despair, realizing that even the slightest sin might, might send me to hell. Mm -hmm. What did the thief on the cross... There were two thieves on the cross. One mocked Jesus' word, and one had faith. And what did Jesus say to him? You'll be with me today in paradise. He assured him he would be with him today in paradise. That guy probably led one of the worst lives all of his life. He's hanging on a cross for the deeds that he committed. He deserved that punishment. And he said, Jesus, have mercy on me. I assure you today, you'll be with me in heaven. What? Huh? What? what didn't he have to do something? No. But I should feel something, right? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe later. Maybe all the time. Thank goodness our emotions aren't what assures us into the heavenly kingdom. The only assurance that we have is Christ himself. That's all the assurance we need. He has done it for you. Um, I personally would like to ask Janine and Clayton this question. The first time you attended a Lutheran service, was it anything like when Gene Beath attended? Did you see something different? Did anything seem different to you in this service than it did in other churches that you might have been in? Or do you now 
see it as different? Um, well, I I kind of had a similar trek as you did mm -hmm. with. Um, um, I grew up in a non small non-denominational church, and then I lived in St. Louis, and all my friends were Catholic, so I went to the Catholic church, and then. Then the most recent thing I was before here was non-denominational, like evangelical. And, um, but yes, it was different. And I loved it because in the beginning, going to that, it was a bigger non-denominational church. And my kids were little and I thought, oh, this is wonderful. You know, the, the music's all lively. And I mean, now looking back at it, it seemed kind of more like a concert. But, but it was a good church and um, the people were great and everything. But I loved it. I missed the I missed the liturgy. Like I loved that when I went with my friends mm -hmm. to the Catholic Church. I didn't agree with all of the, and I I actually joined the Catholic Church. And I remember I used to, I'm surprised they let me join because I'd say, I would say things that they're like, oh no, that's not right, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I just loved, and it was so reassuring to me because when I would go to the other church. I never, I felt like I never knew if I was doing enough. Like, I'm not good enough. I'm not, and then coming here, it's like, it's not about me. It's mm -hmm. about what he did. And like, he, coming here to get him, it just, and it was just so relieving to me. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I think in the, this church, I've seen more studies of the Bible and what those things mean mm -hmm. than in other churches. Correct. Yeah. The word is incredibly important uh, in the Lutheran faith. Um, I'm going to share with you uh, before we leave a German word that I hope will um, make things a little more clear as to what our service is in the Lutheran church. That word is, let me write it down. Gottesdienst. Um, that's how you would say it in German. You could say Gottesdienst. Um, you might be able to tell what that word is. That's God. And this is service. The problem is the English language has dumbed itself down so incredibly that we don't understand what the dative case is. And this is in the dative case, which means it's God's service. Okay. Well, let me put it to you another way. If I said Bob's book, that could mean that book belongs to Bob, or it could mean that's a book about Bob. Could it not? Yeah, the English language stinks, does it not? <laughs> so when I say God's service, is this service to God, or is this God's service to us? It's actually both. <laughs> And that's what makes this word so very, very, very cool. Do we come here and do we worship God? Do we adore God in our service? Absolutely. But that's not the main focus. The main focus is... <clears throat> there are two peaks in the service. We start off with the invocation, confession and absolution... We start doing a responsorial, and then we start doing the readings. And then we do the gospel, and then the sermon. We receive God 
through his word. So one of the peaks is the word. That's where we receive him. That was in my message today. And then it gets a little lower, and then we rise up. And we start doing the words of institution. And we start doing the distribution of the body and blood before we leave. And that's the sacrament. And those two huge peaks in our service, it shows us how we receive Christ. We receive Christ in his word. We receive them in the Old Testament. We receive it in the Psalms. We receive it in the Epistle. We receive it in the Holy Gospel. We receive it in the Sermon. We receive him in the sacrament. When we take that body, when we take that blood, that bread and that wine, we receive Christ fully. We go into church not for us. Not to start rocking and roll and say how, how much we worship God. We come to church to receive God. We receive God in his service. This is God's service to us. Yes, it's our service to God, but our service to God isn't just in church. It's when we're interacting with everyone. The main focus of our liturgy is how we receive God himself. That's huge. Is that why the Catholic Church has the sacrament every service? Because we are kind of R.C. light. I, I, I wish we did. I don't know why we don't. Some, I some mean, Lutheran if, churches do. If I said to you, you know what? I don't want you to get complacent with the Lord's Prayer. We're only going to do it every other Sunday. What would you say? I, I wouldn't like it. Fine. Why do you like not receiving the sacrament every Sunday? Vo vo voice your feelings. Well, God is. <laughs> God does, you know, forgive us for our sins. Yeah. Constantly. But the sacrament just, you know, brings it to heart. Yes. That sacrament is, is one of the biggest reasons why we come to church, and yet half the year we don't do it. I think Pastor Thompson was saying he doesn't like that. He wants to switch it to... I would love to see that happen. Yeah. Um, but it's not It's yeah. not my voice anymore. I, I'm no longer on any sort of council, or, or, and I'm not here weekly. That's up to you guys. If you guys wish it, let them know. And, and when you do it, or when you are part of a church council in the future, you won't have a vote. No, I won't. <laughs> I'll only have spiritual guidance. <laughs> Disciples of Christ serves it every Sunday. Most of the Lutheran churches that I know of do. There are a handful of churches that do it sporadically like this. We're in the 60s. It was once a month for almost once every month, Lutheran church. Once a month. And that's when and we're not even going to get to what the Presbyterians do. <laughs> yeah, I know we don't celebrate communion. <laughs> Four times a year, right? When I came from it's, a, it's actually uh, the, the uh, <laughs> there is a requirement uh, that Presbyterians have to do communion once a year. Oh, one! Wow! But most churches do it at least quarterly. Yeah. Many churches do it weekly. Yeah. I mean, it's up to the individual congregation as to how they do it. Um, my home church, um, we took the big step a couple of years ago from going quarterly to monthly, um, mm -hmm. and we're working on taking it to weekly. Uh -huh. Nice, nice. Um, well, I, there's I, nothing else that you do in a worship service um, well let me rephrase that 
because we don't say the Lord's Prayer every week. We don't say the Apostles' Creed every week. We don't. Um, again, that's up to the individual church. But you have a sermon every week. You have Scripture read every week. No other means of grace is only practiced occasionally uh, except for baptism and you can't have baptisms when you don't have people to baptize so, but you know the, I don't want to tramp on people's time I know people need to leave um, one last thing the other blessing that we give uh, is the ironic benediction um, and if you notice I did something different than pastor I faced the altar and I used the plural pronouns he gives you a blessing because he's ordained. I'm not. I received the blessing, which is why I was facing the altar, and I used us. So in case you wondered why that little oh, change happened. Um, also, when I did the invocation, when he says, we start this service, and he gives you the blessing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you notice, I was also facing the altar. But you did. I can't give you that blessing yet. So you did it on yourself, right? I did. Boom. So, all right. Let us end in prayer then, and please feel free to stay if you want to have these wonderful conversations. Father, thank you for bringing us all here together, um, the, you know, getting into your word and, and getting into um, the Lutheran liturgy, but really tackling um, what it means to be in this world, but citizens um, of heaven. What it means to, to not be of this world, but to be in it and, and how we should operate. Um, this is going to be a struggle. We will fail. Um, but the wonderful assurance of your grace is that you take care of us through the act of splegnitzimai that Christ displayed on the cross and when he was resurrected. May we put all of our assurance in Christ crucified. In his name, amen. amen.